You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Oh God, let this be the hour Let your glory fall in this room Let it go forth from here to the nations Let your fragrance rest in this place As we gather to seek your face Ruler of the nations The world has yet to see The full release of your promises The church in victory us, Lord, and touch us. Make us strong in your might. Overcome all our weaknesses. That we may stand up and fight. Let your glory fall in this room. Let it go forth from here to the nations. Let your friends rest in this place as we gather to seek your face as we gather to seek your face amen thank you so much Richard that's a blessing Amen. All right, we'll be dismissed to, uh, not all of us, but some can go back to junior church. Uh, I believe that's ages 5 to 10, and uh, Mel will be doing that once again today. Appreciate the great job that they do back there in junior church. Um, be praying for Kurt, by the way. I meant to mention that. He had knee surgery this past week, but he's having a tough time bouncing back from that. So Kim is home nursing him, so pray for uh, Kurt and Kim, if you would, please. All right, well, you know, tomorrow is... Uh, Valentine's Day, from what I understand. Any, any guys, any, anybody besides me get stressed out about Valentine's Day? Um, you know, and you say, well, well, no, because my wife or my girlfriend says that she don't really want anything. Uh, yeah, you know, so I get kind of stressed out about that even, you know. Um, but uh, so, uh, you know, but I, but I heard, you know, sometimes it can be hard on guys to know just what to do and how to make things right. I love my wife so much and uh, I want to be able to communicate that to her, but I heard uh, about a couple, Emma and Jim. Uh, Emma woke up one morning, and she uh, told her husband, she said, man, she said, I had a dream last night that, uh, that you bought me a pearl necklace, a real pearl necklace. And she said, what do you think that means? Uh, and he says, oh, he said, you just wait. You'll find out tonight. So with anticipation, she said, oh, okay. Uh, Later that night, she gets home, and Jim gives her her gift, you know, uh, wrapped up a, a smaller package, but when she opens it up, she opens up, it's a small book about how to interpret dreams. <laughs> you can find out what that meant, all right? Uh, well, then I thought about this. I've, I've been happily married now for uh, going on 25 years. I'm sure thankful for that, but I wanted to help out maybe some of the single guys here today, all right? So I had a couple uh, good pickup lines here that I thought that I would uh, share with you, all right? So here it is, guys. You ready? Um, So you walk up to the girl and you say, well, here I am. What are your other two wishes? 
These are foolproof, believe me. Bowen, here's a good one. Bowen, uh, you go up to a girl and you say, if you were a, trans if you were a transformer, you'd be Optimus Fine. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, here's one, all right. Uh, you, you go by Tyler and you say, do you believe in love at first sight or should I walk by again? These slay, believe me. Um, <laughs> throw the tomatoes. Uh, how about this one? Do you like Star Wars? Because Yoda, only one for me. All right, and then uh, the last one, I mean foolproof. Uh, I'm writing a term paper on the finer things in life. I wonder if I could interview you. Yeah, okay. Wonk, wonk, wonk. Uh, uh, you know, we, we uh, the, the, the card company come up with this thing called Valentine's Day, you know, to, to sell cards and uh, stress take years off a of men's life, I believe. But, uh, but, but in all reality, really, a lot of what we think about is symbolized by the world as love uh, isn't really a very good picture of love at all, is it? Uh, so much of it is uh, not love because love in the true sense of the word is not really selfish at all. Uh, biblical love certainly isn't selfish. Biblical love is a sacrificial uh, love, a love that, that loves without expecting anything in return. And I don't, believe that, I don't believe that explains or describes the type of love that we see around us oftentimes today. Uh, we see a fickle love. We see a love that changes. We see a love that ends, you know. Uh, it's not an uncommon thing in, in these days to where somebody will just say, you know what, I don't love you anymore. Or we can change what we love uh, from day to day. But I want to tell you today that I believe that in the, in, the, in, a true, in the truest sense, everyone wants to be cherished. But human devotion isn't always dependable. Even the most stable relationships change over time. According to perhaps how they feel or uh, the way they treat one another. And whether life is stressful or different uh, events in life. Uh, there's a lot that goes under the name of love that really isn't that valuable of a love, really. But I'm glad there's a love today that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I do want to apply it practically, perhaps, to end the message. Uh, when I end the message, but thinking about how that the love of the, the, the true love of God can be uh, worked and lived out through our hearts through the power of the Holy Ghost of God. But the love of God is a love, and this is the title and the thought that I want to give to you today, a love that won't stop. A love that just won't stop. See, God's love is not fickle. God's love is not, uh, you know, uh, changeable. God's love doesn't come and go. God's uh, love does not ebb. It only flows. It does not falter. It does not fail. It's a love that will not stop. Jeremiah 31 verse 3, the Bible says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. A couple things I want to say about a love that won't stop today. One reason it's a love that won't stop is that God's love is intrinsic to his very nature. 
The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse number 7, it actually says that God is love. God is love. And there's several different words that are used for love in the Bible. As many of you have heard before, there's the word, uh, the, the Greek word phileo, which where we get the term Philadelphia from, the city of brotherly love, because phileo, it's a, it, it's a brotherly love. It's, and that's a great love. It's, it's a friendly love, but it's not an unchanging love. It's, it's, a, it's a love of fondness. There's a phileo love. There's an eros love. The, word, the, the way the word eros is used, we get the word erotic. From that word but the word that's used when we're talking about that God is love it's not phileo and it's not eros but it's agape it's it's it's, it's a love that loves without expecting anything in return it's a love that's just going to keep on loving it's a love that will never stop it's a love that looks out for your best interest God is not thinking what am I going to get out of this God is looking at you and just saying I want to pour my love out on this person despite what they say, despite what they do. So the Bible says that God is love. It's intrinsic in His nature. It, it reveals not only one of His fundamental traits, but His love is, again, the very, in His very being. I mean, it is a part of who He is. Contrary to the world's mindset, that God is love. See, some people look at God as love, and I know when we talk about the subject of love, sometimes people think, oh, does, does that love mean that, uh, that He loves and, and embraces sin? It doesn't at all. God loves us so much that He hates sin because He understands what sin does to the objects of His love. But love is just a part of God, who God is. He is love. It's intrinsic to His nature. But not only that, His love is universal. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 14, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. <laughs> Folks, I'm so glad today that the love of God is universal. It's not just to one group or to another. And He doesn't love one group or somebody that's got, a, got more melanin in their skin or less melanin in their skin uh, than someone else. He loves everyone. It's a universal love. His love is amazing. It goes beyond borders. It goes beyond any, any backgrounds or anything. His love is a universal love. His love was perfectly illustrated in His nature and His character when Jesus Christ walked the earth. And He was a friend of publicans. And He was a friend of sinners. We see that His love was universal. His love is unconditional. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 or chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, for when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's an unconditional love. He did not say, meet me halfway. It's a love that says, I'm going to prove my love to you while we were yet ungodly. And we understand that Jesus died for us before we were ever born, but I'm telling you, Jesus does not wait to love you until you do better. He loves you when you are in, in the worst possible place in your life. I'm telling you, His love doesn't stop. It's a universal love. It's an unconditional love. And it's a sacrificial love. 
It says that he commended, he proved his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's a sacrificial love. The Bible says in 1 John 4:10, herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the satisfaction. How did the Lord prove his love to you? And I just wish I could emphasize today, when I'm talking about a love that won't stop, I'm talking about God's love for you as an individual that will not stop. It's you personally. Yes, it's all of us. I'm telling you, it is each of us. God knows you. Jesus knows who you are, and His love for you cannot stop. And He proved it. How? In, in Isaiah 50, verses 6 and 7, He said this, I gave my back to the smiters, and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from the shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. And listen here. This is talking about the Lord and his, what, what he experienced before he went to the cross. And then it's talking about his attitude still yet in the midst of that. He said, I set my face like a flint. In other words, all the pain that Jesus endured, the rejection that Jesus endured, there was still a love that just wouldn't stop. It didn't matter who rejected him. The, the people he came to love, the people he came to heal, the, the people he came to sacrifice for are the ones crying out for him to be crucified. I mean, listen, the very people he's shedding his life's blood for are mocking him, ripping out his beard, hitting him in the face, smiting him with a reed upon the head, putting a crown of thorns on his head. Yet, the Bible says, he set his face like a flint. In other words, it's not going to stop me. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. I don't care how bad they hurt me. I'm going to, my, my love will not stop. My love is still on its way to the cross. My love will not be stopped. So he set his face. You say, why is that? Because the Bible says that the problem of sin separated you and I from God. You're a sinner and I'm a sinner. We were, we were all born sinners. We're sinners by birth and we're sinners by choice. That sin alienates us from God separates us from God makes us enemies of God but God loves us so much that he said there's one hope there's one way for them to be restored and have a relationship with me that's if I pay the price if I take the penalty of sin if I take it all upon myself uh, that's the only way. And so though, though they smote his back with the cat of nine tails and, and though they nailed him to a cross, I'm telling you, his love just kept on going. And even on the cross, he said, and he cried out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. His love couldn't be stopped through pain. His love could not be stopped with betrayal. Judas betrayed him in the Garden of Eden. And he says, you'll know the one who Jesus is because I'm going to go up to him and I'll kiss him on the cheek. He was, Jesus Christ was betrayed with a kiss, but yet he looked at Judas and he called him friend. Because betrayal could not stop his love. I mean, all that he suffered, his love just wouldn't stop. It kept on going. I mean, by the way, uh, death couldn't stop his love. He died on the cross that day. He was buried, and for three days his body... But let me tell you something, even death couldn't stop his love. His love just won't stop. 
His love rose again on the third day, amen. And I mean, and, and right away, the gospel began to spread. And I mean, you think about His love will not stop. You know, I mentioned condemnation earlier. I mentioned judgment for sin earlier. And you know, some people have a hard time reconciling that, don't they? They say, I, I hear you talking about the love of God, but I don't understand this judgment part, this judgment for sin. Uh, and, and basically understand this. God, we will be judged because of our sin if we don't accept Christ as our Savior. But for us to try to point our finger in the face of Almighty God and question or even mock His love by saying, what do you mean I'm going to have to face judgment for my sin? That's the same. Imagine a person drowning out at sea. And imagine the Coast Guard finding these people who uh, maybe their ship was capsized and, and they're going and, and to save this individual. Imagine, if you will, a, a lifesaver being cast out to this person. And that person pushing the lifesaver away and cursing the Coast Guard for being so unmerciful. And then they say, no, 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 just <laughs> you're perishing. Grab, grab the lifesaver. You'll see those Coast Guard men, man, they'll dangle from helicopters and they'll try to reach people. Imagine, imagine so trying to reach down to a drowning man and that man slapping the hand away and saying, no, no, no. And then as, as the man hands, is there with his hand out, cursing how unmerciful the Coast Guard is. That makes no sense. See, the judgment and the doom that man is faced with, the impending judgment, isn't God saying, you know what, I just want to send the world to hell. It's man's decision that brought that about. It's sin that brought that about. But there he is with a lifeline offering it. And so you can't reject the lifeline and then curse the love and the mercy of God. You, you can't curse and question the love of a doctor after you've been bit with a, uh, by a venomous snake and they're offering you an antidote and you reject the antidote and then curse the doctor. That's what people do. They, they, they reject the cure. They reject the offer of God. They reject the cross and they want to mock God. But I'm going to tell you something. His love still don't stop. Because his love is persistent, amen? He tries to give you another opportunity and another opportunity. Jesus surrendered his life on the cross that we might have life eternal. He, uh, he, he, he left the fellowship of God Almighty so that we might be saved. The Bible says in John 15, 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. The Lord's going to come back one day. Did you know that? He's going to, just like He physically came to the earth the first time, Jesus Christ is going to physically, visibly come to the earth the second time. But the Bible says when He comes back there at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, the Bible says there in the book of Zechariah that He's going to stand there before the house of Israel, before the, the nation of Israel. And they're going to say to Him, where'd you get those wounds in your hands and in your feet? And he's going to reply, these are those wherewith I was wounded in the house of my friends. Because Jesus said, my love just won't stop. No matter what, I'm looking at you of someone that I want to free, that I want to save. Did you know that sin just couldn't stop his love? I've already said, alluded to this, but Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, Your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you. 
See, sin is often an attempt to meet a, a legitimate need apart from God. Do you know that about sin? So much of man's sins are people trying to meet a legitimate need apart from God. This means that at the root of almost every transgression is a genuine need for comfort, peace, approval, and love. And that's why God somehow is able to look through the, the sin of mankind and say, you know what, your sin is not going to stop my love. Matter of fact, the Bible says where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. I've met so many people who seem to get the idea that maybe their sin could stop God's love. They say, no, I understand that God maybe loved me, but that was before I did this. That was before I, I made these decisions and I committed this sin. Uh, oh, oh, you know, that was No, let me tell you something. It doesn't stop God. He's still able to save you. He's still able to forgive you if you'll turn to Him, if you'll repent, if you'll confess your sins to God. His love will not stop. Your sin will not stop His love. Your sin may uh, stop His blessing. Your sin, sin will rob you of your joy. But I'm telling you, His love is going to be there. And God loves you, by the way, too much just to leave you in your sin. And if you're saved by the grace of God, did you know that you still sin? You didn't know that, did you? You probably knew it. Uh, uh, we still sin. But let me tell you something. Our sin is not enough to keep His love from us. That's why with everything, He loves us too much just to say, oh, well, I'm going to overlook it and just keep blessing them in their sin. He says, no, nah, not going to bless that. And honestly, what happens is sin just naturally has consequences. But in every step of that along the way, never get the idea that God is trying to punish you. Because God isn't trying to punish people. He's trying to correct people. He's trying to bring people back. His love loves you. It won't stop. And so it loves you. He loves you too much to leave you where you're at. Now, he is a gentleman, and you must make the final decision. But I'm telling you, his love, uh, your sin, sin cannot stop. Sin did not stop his love. Hey, listen, Satan cannot stop his love. You know, the Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He's a slanderer. In other words, Satan's got some bad things to say to you uh, about you before God. Did you know that? He will accuse you before God. Now, one thing you can be sure of, Satan's a liar. But how many of you know that Satan don't even have to always lie about us? He can go tell the truth about us too, can he? and accuse us before God about how we don't live up, measure up, whatever the, the case may be. But I'm telling you something, Satan can't stop the love of God. Satan can't stop, uh, sin can't stop the love of God. Satan can't stop the love of God. Shortcomings can't stop the love of God. Time cannot stop the love of God. He says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. His love absolutely endures. His love just cannot stop. It will not stop. His love is unstoppable. His love is invincible. His love cannot be defeated. His love is relentless. You ever known people that try to push off and say, I don't want nothing to do with that? His love just keeps on going. I've known people to come to Christ, but it, they didn't come to Christ easily. They came to Christ fighting and scratching and, and maybe even cussing God before they came to Christ. But God's love is just relentless. It just keeps going. I mean, his love is unyielding. His love is unquenchable. You know, thinking about the love of man, the, the thing that we struggle with, even the best of us, 
or the best of you, I don't know if I want to say the best of us, but even the best of you, we're so often motivated by selfishness within our relationships. So much of what we call love, have you ever put yourself out there for your loved one? Maybe, you're, maybe the person that you're married to, your significant other, and you've really tried to put yourself out there and, and maybe you've gone an extra mile, uh, you know, maybe you got a book on interpreting dreams and, and, and thought your wife was going to be so happy about it, uh, and then she wasn't happy about it, and then all of a sudden what happens? Your love is quenched. Any of you guys know what it is to give the silent treatment? You know, oh, I tried. I tried. And if you're not going to take that book of mine, I don't know what it's going to take. Uh, or whatever it might be. Uh, in other words, our love sometimes can be quenched, what we call love. We're, we're making the effort, but if it's not reciprocated, a lot of times we're just like, mm, okay, I'm backing off. That's a little hurtful. That's a little hurtful that this person didn't receive the, at my, at my, my advantage. You know, I had all these great, one, these great pickup lines that Pastor gave me, and they did not reciprocate. And I, so I'm just going to back off, you know, and I'm going to, uh, and, and so, you, so it gets quenched a little bit. But I want to tell you something. Jesus' love, I love the picture of that. His love is unquenchable. Say what you will. His love still burns for you. His, his love for you, I mean, yeah, His love, it's an everlasting love. It's an unchangeable love. It's an unquenchable love. You reject Him, and He says, you know what? I still love you. You reject Him, He does not step away. He does not shy away. Man, you, you ignore Him, and it does not quench His love. Jesus never pulls back with His love. His love is an unquenchable love. His love is an irre irrevocable love. It's an unwavering love. It's an inextinguishable love. It's an unalterable love. It's an unfaltering love. It's a tireless love. It's a resolute love. He loves me. I'm graven on the palms of His hands. I'm, I am never out of his mind. Knowing him today depends on his sustained initiative in loving me. I love him because he first loved me. And he continues to love me. He loves me as a friend. There's no moment when his eye is off of me or his attention is distracted from me. And no moment, therefore, when his love falters. There is unspeakable comfort in knowing that God is constantly loving me and watching over me for my good. There's tremendous relief in knowing that His love to me is utterly realistic. It's based at every point on prior knowledge of the worst about me. I want to say that again. His love is based on the worst prior knowledge of me how many of you want everybody to know the worst of you not many of us and honestly there's some people maybe our husbands or wives that maybe know the worst of us but they don't really even know the worst of us do they you may have a friend that knows the worst of you but let me tell you something let's be honest they don't even know the worst of you there's people that if, I mean, honestly, if people, I heard this, you know, if people really knew who we were, if people really knew the worst of our thoughts, 
the worst of our words, the worst of our motives, the worst of our actions. We might not have as many friends as we have. You say, I only got one. Well, you might not have that one. Amen. You might not have that one if they knew the worst, if they knew it all. But let me tell you something. Jesus knows. I don't even know if you've done your worst yet. But let me tell you something. Whatever it is, he's already known it. And his love is based on something back before you ever did your worst. That just, that just blesses my heart. There's no discovery that can disillusion him about me. We were just talking about this the other day. Somebody came up to me and they said, have you ever found out something about somebody that changed the way you look at them and you just couldn't look at them the same anymore? That happens with us as people. But let me tell you something. Somebody goes to God, the accuser of the brethren goes to the Lord and says, uh, Lord, I've got to tell you something. Jesse, and just starts naming it down. Let me tell you some things. You know what? The Lord is not disillusioned. He's not in any way put off by any of that. You know why? Because he knows every bit of that. The Bible says he knows my downsitting. He knows my uprising. He knows every thought that I've ever thunk. Uh, he knows it all. And you know what? His love for me, his love for you will not stop. His love grants salvation. His love gives security. Our security in his love is unshakable. I love what the Bible says, a great passage that's all based on the love of God in uh, Romans 8.35, where the Bible says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress? or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. The Bible says, and it talks about things, we're slain all the day long, but it goes on down to say, Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Can I just quickly say something in, in, in regards to this? Verse 28 of this same chapter is where we read that all things work together for good. To them that love God. Not all things are good. Please don't ever misquote it. Don't ever misapply it. Not all things are good, but all, thing, all things work together for good. But then now here, the Bible's saying that in all these things, we are more than conquerors. So no matter what it is, because of the love of Christ, man, if we could just get a hold of this, what the Bible's saying in this passage, when you and I, if you're here today and you're a Christian, when you get a hold of God's love for you, these things don't separate you from Christ's love. And they never can, but sometimes we allow, uh, we, we allow ourselves not to be affected by His love the way we ought to. And here's what I mean by that. Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall peril, shall sword, shall famine, and He goes through these things? No. The fact is, is these things do not separate us from the love of Christ. But you know what happens with us sometimes? We act as if they do. We, we don't, you know why we don't live as conquerors? Because in our tribulation, we're not, we're not grasping His love for us. In our peril, in our distress, we're not reminded of, you know what, Jesus Christ, again, in the same chapter, Romans 8, I mean, perhaps one of the greatest chapters ever written anywhere, it talks about how that, that, that He that spared not His own Son, how shall He not with Him also give us all things freely give us all things this all things keeps coming up 
And the point is, is when I get a hold of God's love, it helps me to be victorious. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. How? Through him that loved us. And I want to remind you again, it started off in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? You get down here to the verse here. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. How? Through him that loved us. Therefore, I can say with Paul today, can you? For I am persuaded. <laughs> Are you persuaded today? I'm trying to persuade you, by the way. I'm persuaded. You see, his love won't stop. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to tell you, he'll forgive you. He'll save you. His love for you hasn't stopped. His love for you will not stop. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to uh, come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, my friend, listen, I am persuaded today. See, God's love came walking in the Garden of Eden after the fall of man, restoring Adam and Eve. God's love warned man for 120 years before the flood, and really for 900 years, you could say, and left the door open seven days. God's love carried Noah's family through the flood. The love of God was with Joseph in the pit and in the prison and in his promotion to the throne. His love protected a baby in the bulrushes and touched the heart of Pharaoh's daughter when she saw little baby Moses. God's love made a way through the Red Sea, delivering and establishing a nation. His love chose a shepherd boy to be king. God's love stood with the three Hebrew boys in Babylon. It was with Daniel in the lion's den. It was heralded by the angels on the night before Christmas. Love was born in a stable and laid in a manger that first Christmas morning. In the person of Jesus, the love of God healed the sick and raised the dead. He accepted the outcast. He loved sinners. His love was demonstrated when he was beaten and nailed to an old rugged cross. And it looked as if his love had been defeated. But his love just won't stop. Therefore, three days later, Jesus rose again, having conquered death and hell. Forty days later, the disciples' hearts sunk as love was returning to heaven with Jesus' ascension, it seemed. However, the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of love and of power, came to indwell the church and came to indwell every believer and so that the love of God would continue. Nero tried to burn it. Romanism persecuted it and, uh, and tried to, uh, you know, uh, kill it. But God's people, in spite of all that, transformed Europe. Love came to the new world and brought revival and birthed a nation. His love has continued to this very day into your life. I mean, think about that. From the beginning all the way until now, the love of God continues. It just won't stop. The love of God still works. Let me tell you something about the love of God. The left can't cancel the love of God. Did you know that? Uh, the left can't cancel it. COVID can't mask it. Big tech can't silence it. His love will not be stopped. His love doesn't stop. One of the greatest reasons, and this is one of the most beautiful things, one of the greatest reasons God's love doesn't stop 
And one of the greatest illustrations of his love not stopping is that his love continues through his people. The Bible says in Romans 5, 5, by the way, this is after talking about tribulation and problems and trials. He says in Romans 5, 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, the Bible says, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. He says that His love in 1 John 4, 12, No man hath seen God at any time, but if we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. His love is perfected in us. Think about that. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Because of your strong stand. Because of your stand for the truth. For your this. No, he said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. Because you got love for the brethren. Amen. The church loves one another. The church loves those that are in the world. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4, 8, And above all things, have fervent charity that word fervent is burning man it's on fire uh, fervent charity among yourselves for charity shall cover the multitude of sins i'm telling you some churches get critical and start pointing out faults and failures of others uh, and how uh, this one seems this and, that, and people point fingers but folks the bible says when there's love when there's charity when there's that kind of love present the bible says it covers a multitude of sins I mean, yeah, you could sit around and point out my faults and failures and I could do the same to you. But love covers that, amen? Because love says, and when it says that, it's not that we're hiding sin. It's just simply saying, you know what? Yeah, or no, pastor's not perfect. Close to it. But he's not perfect. I'm nowhere close to it, believe me. Uh, but you know what? He's my brother. And you know what? I'm not perfect either. And so we're just open, and we, can be, we have fervent charity. It covers a multitude of sins. I mean, listen, love, somebody said this, Francis Schaeffer, he was, a, he was an old apologist. He said this, love is the final apologetic. It is the defense for which there is no defense. In other words, he was saying, the greatest thing that we can show this world is the love that we have one for another and the love that we have for them. You know what? We need to love the people of this world. We need, to, we, we need to stand against the sin, the unrighteousness, and all these things in the world. A part of that is love. The Bible says we speak the truth. So make sure we, make sure we got the rest of that right. We speak the truth in love. Amen? And so we stand for truth. We speak the truth. We preach the gospel. We, we give the good news and the bad news. I mean, this message of love does not erase... True love, you know, I, I said this before, I, I thought about this, you know, the way, uh, so really, literally, some churches are actually built. I mean, some churches are built on this model. They go into communities, and they'll, they do surveys. What do you want to hear in church? What do you not want to hear in church? Now, I, I can value surveys and be interesting to know what they say, but some people say, well, you know what? We don't really like all that business about sin, Okay, got, got it. And we don't like that about hell. Okay, good, good to know that. Um, we like the love part. Good. Uh, you know, and, and literally, honestly, they go through and they ask these questions. And then they go and they establish their church. 
And therefore, what is preached after that, after that point is, well, we're not going to say things that people don't want to hear. We're only going to say things people like to hear because we are a love. You know, we, 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 because we, we, we are loving people. But you know what that's like? That's like having an oncologist that loves cancer. Isn't it? Who wants an oncologist like that? Uh, I mean, wouldn't that be ridiculous? Uh, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an optometrist that loves stigmatisms. You know, I think this is wonderful. Uh, and blindness and, and water, uh, macular degeneration. You know, this is great. No, I want somebody that's going to try to help me. Amen? And, and, and so, therefore, that's why we speak the truth. But we do it in love. We do it in love. His love for you will never cease. It will never stop. But I do want to say this. You can't stop God's, the, the, the influence of God's love on your life. But you can stop God's love from entering and transforming your life. I'll say that again. You can stop God's love from entering and transforming your life. Because in love, he will not force his will upon you. But why would you? You ever think about that? You can reject Christ, but why would you? You can say, no, I'm good. But why would you? Why wouldn't you just say, well, Jesus, you love me that much. I think I'll reciprocate. Jesus, I do want you to become my Savior. I do want you to be my Lord. You went through all that to pay for my sins? You know what? I don't care what the church said they did with my sins. That's not working. Jesus, I want to take what you said you did with my sins, which is pay them, cancel them, totally. Forgive them in full. His love is the most powerful things, one of the most powerful things in the universe. But in His love, He has chosen to give you the opportunity to know Him today. Child of God, get a hold of His love. I'm telling you right now, there... It is evidenced by the way we live that too many of us of God's people really aren't very persuaded about these things. We're not persuaded about it. You know why? We don't spend enough time thinking about it. We don't spend enough time telling ourselves. You know what we sit around telling ourselves? Sometimes just a bunch of garbage or listening to a bunch of garbage. One of the greatest gifts I think that God ever gave us is the fact that you can only think one thought at a time. So when you find yourself thinking these defeatist thoughts, when you find yourself to where it feels as if you're outside of God's loving embrace, you need to stop and tell yourself, you know what, what were those verses over there in Romans 8 again? That's, that's, that's His love for me. Go read Ephesians chapter number 1 and say, wow, I'm, the, I'm chosen in the beloved. I'm accept- that's who I am. God's love and grasping God's love is what's going to help you to be an overcomer and not have to live under the circumstances that you may face. But God's love will enable you and empower you to live above the circumstances that you face. If you're a child of God, if you're not saved, man, He wants to save your soul and change your life. Let's all stand. Sonia, would you come play something softly on the piano today? How about you today? Have you accepted His love? Have you accepted His forgiveness? Have you accepted the free gift of salvation? If you, have, if you have not, why not? I want to encourage you to do so. He said, Preacher, I don't really understand. I mean, I, I really have been kind of a Christian my whole life. I mean, I've been in church. I mean, I was baptized.